Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. I'm Nick the Human. We're back here again for number three of the Fiona and Cake uh, miniseries. Yeah. Is limited this- edition series. What do they call these? Limited series? Sure. Yeah. Are we uh, now the podcast for humans and cats? We are. Um, and squirrels and on squ- this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. It's fun covering a current topic, as we've been discussing, uh, versus one that happened a decade ago. <laughs> so it's really great. I just want to say, if you're enjoying these Fiona and Cake episodes, uh, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Spotify, if you're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that would be really rad. We're gonna, we've been doing this podcast for years at this point, and we have years in front of us. So if you yes. like the vibe, we're, we're going to be there for you. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll be there for someone. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Um, Fiona and Cake Part Three. Uh, Cake the cat. Let's go right into episode discussion. Okay. Episode discussion. All right, we got a f- we got a more of a fun episode this time. Last time, if if you listened to the last episode. It was a heavy one. Probably the heaviest episode. Is this was that the he- for me? Also, my men- where my mental state was. It just matched up perfectly with uh, Simon's. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, this is maybe the heaviest episode of Adventure Time I've ever seen. I think it's a sleeper heavy episode. I think yeah. surface level, it does a lot of Adventure Time things that seem normal, but the undercurrent is maybe the strongest. Like there are definitely like more outwardly tragic episodes yes. of Adventure Time, but. Yeah, Simon Petrikov, Fiona Cake, episode two, seemed like it carried the most weight in subtext anyway. Yeah, it was, whew, We, I mean, we went. We don't have to talk about it again. We went through it. Go listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah. So after that, it was really nice to be back with Fiona Cake. I, I thought, well, first off, we start off with Finn and Jake, which is a blast to see. Then we go to the real world again with Fiona, and it's just a more general lighthearted episode there was some really great laughs mainly thanks to the squirrel um who's unnamed that character uh yeah i think it's the squirrel squirrel is great so this was it was this was a nice balance to the last one yeah this one it feels more at home it uh not to say that the first episode wasn't fun and, and lighthearted but uh there was still a lot of like confusion about like or maybe just like mystery about what the show was going to be at that point now i think by episode three um and i have watched ahead i have seen episodes four five and six also um at this point and i think seven and eight have aired already too but um, i've been holding yeah so at episode three i think this is the one that kind of it's not like abundantly clear in an outright kind of way but it it seems like it's safe to say at this point that fiona and cake is a sequel series to adventure time like that's what it's going to be like you know it, we sort of got like hints of that from episode two but like it's it seems like this is where we're going like this is the trajectory of the show it's it is a proper sequel which yeah. is cool to define it that way not a spin-off right um it's just really cool i mean when they, when honestly i think we talked about it i mean it's somewhere in the pod archives but when they announced Fiona cake i was a little disappointed because I wanted a sequel series. Right. And and, and you, you kind of think, well, the Fiona Cake episodes are fun, but it's Ice King nonsense and it's inconsequential. And it's like, that's not what I'm in for. 
but that is not what we're getting. Yes, this is very much core canon storytelling uh, and doing it from the Fiona and Cake angle is like a creative home run. Like it, it, they, re- yeah, exactly. Like they took something that you were like, huh, that's the choice. Weird. I'm not sure if I understand how they're going to do it. And then they fucking do it. And it's like, it's eye opening. And they're like, fuck yes. They nailed this in a way that I didn't even consider was possible. They, that's exactly what you want from, from art. Yeah. They fucking did it. <laughs> that is what you want from art. People don't think they want that. People think they want to know what they're getting and boring people maybe do, but <laughs> this is what you really want. This is what we all really want. Um, yeah. So I, so this episode was fun. Um, it, it's, uh, it starts off with Finn and Jake, which yeah, is still a little confusing at this point. Um, yeah. It becomes clearer with the next episode. But it's still, at this point, a big question mark. Like, what what the fuck are Finn and Jake doing? It looks like Finn is not the same Finn as the one that we saw in episode two. Mm-mm. This uh, is from an earlier time, clearly. Years before. Maybe, like, a good 10 years, 15 years before. Yeah, so is he watching, like... Reruns? Yeah. <laughs> well, Prismo... Yeah, so this starts out, we see... Finn and Jake on an adventure. They're now older. They're probably in their twenties or Finn's in his mid to late twenties or something in this adventure. And Jake's there and they're just humming along. Prismo's watching it from his place. Um, got stubble on his face and looks sort of like ragged. Um, and yeah, he's been going through something. Yeah. And then uh, the, the, this is what we saw at the end of the last ep, which was the, uh, the remote control for Prismo was like, there was like a beep, like and a button to push, but Prismo was like, nah, and just turns up the volume on the Finn and Jake re- rerun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then we just zoom right out of that into uh, Simon. Yeah. I, I do want to say that the violence that's oh, yeah. in that first opening oh, yeah, yeah, scene yeah. is uh, uncharacteristic. And we got plenty of that in the first couple episodes also. And it's a, uh, it's a little bit weird to see Finn just literally chop off someone's head with a sword and like there's blood and there's a lot of blood in this episode. It's like even cake is cat scratching people. People are bleeding. Like there's like legit violence in this episode and it's cool that we can see that, I guess, but I, I, I want to like at least assign like meaning to it. Like, I don't think it's gratuitous and I don't think it's like, Oh, we're trying to appeal to an older audience. I think it's just more an in- indication of like, yeah, these characters have aged um, like the audience has. And it's not necessarily like they're playing to an older audience, but it's just mm-hmm. like, this is a more accurate depiction of what these characters are going to do as they get older. It's like, yeah, we're actually going to cut the head off a fucking monster with a sword. Yeah. Like <laughs> maybe 17 year old Finn would have like shied away from that kind of thing, but uh, he's lived through some shit at this point. Yeah. And yeah, you're just going to fucking murder beasts in the forest and shit. And mm-hmm. that's, that's status quo onto the next <laughs> level. Um, yeah. It says a little bit about like the mental state that Finn is in. Like what, like, you know, we don't see the events that occur that lead him to be such a, uh, non-hesitant mm-hmm. murderer. 
<clears throat> but yeah, he he doesn't have it, you know, doesn't have any qualms about about this shit. So in those intervening like decade, 15 years or whatever it's been, um I'd like to think there's there's some sort of inflection point, an event, something that happens that, you know, we haven't seen yet. We might. Yeah. Or just like for most of us, you get a you get a couple of smaller ones along the way that uh, make you not as afraid. Yeah, well, I, I I sort of get the feeling that they're numb to it, mm-hmm. and like I think it's it's it would be good storytelling if um, there was some sort of resistance to that at some point, and there was an event. I um I uh, I remember thinking about the uh, the Bonnabelle bubblegum episode Mm -hmm. uh where we see uh princess bubblegum turn her uncle into the the dum-dum and it's an accident and it was disappointing because we don't get to see the actual event where she decides to do things like that but you know that at some point there was a flip there was a a decision made um and you know maybe that uh that depiction of like it being an accident was just the somewhat soften the uh, the character arc that that we get to see, but I like that there's the possibility that you know that we don't have access to everything about these characters. Like there is plenty of stuff off screen, yeah. and we just have to guess at that. Um, so yeah, I I appreciate the subtle differences in the way that they're visually putting these characters in action uh, because it is different, and I'm noticing it, and I think it speaks to character development off-screen character development Mm -hmm. amen eric i i agree with (laughs) those sentiments that's happening we should say i could say um yeah man i don't know what to add but you see you you're 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 spot on we're seeing it we saw i mean we talked about finn a lot last episode and how troubling it was and this is like i guess probably the the middle points before jake's gone which that's really a turning point event, but there's still some things have happened. Um, I know. And it's weird, man. I don't, I don't like saying this because I never like saying this about people. I don't like when people say it about me or other people, but there is something, I don't know. Let me know if you, we were watching Finn and Jake adventure and they're clearly, I don't know how old, they're like i don't know 27 or something and there's a part of me i'm like oh they're still doing this we're like jake's got a uh an egg on his head that's not an egg and then they do jake suit and they go do jake suit which is great and the greatest hit but you do wonder you're like well that's what you were doing when you're 13 and now you're like in your late 20s but i don't like putting that on people because if something works hey here i am playing guitar and writing songs instead of starting a family or whatever, you know, like I, I, it's it's so cool. It's okay. And maybe someone would say that about me, but, but do you know what I mean? Where that's kind of what we were getting at last episode where it's like Finn's now in his forties or whatever, or 50 or whatever. And he's like still doing this stuff when he was 12. Right. Um, all aspect of this human city that floats above the ground, I think makes this particular issue more stark in that like there now is a version of humans doing human shit and like living in a society and like adhering to norms and that kind of shit um so 
Simon not having direction to like break out of that and Finn never ad- adapting to it there is there is something to to compare their character against like now that now that we do have this this human future civilization um I kind of wonder if we'll get more details about that later on in the yeah. series um it's like a little bit interesting but what was the development where how did we get here oh yeah we do see uh Minerva at one point we do did you catch that Finn's mom um where there um this is when cake is uh running through the city looking for Fiona all scared still has like the the male dog voice and um you for a second you get uh a Minerva that walks by and is like do you need help can i help you or something like that it's probably not finn's actual mom mm-hmm. right it's like it's a facsimile or yeah so the like next level right like uh that whole islands arc when you learn like that backstory um there were like those minerva bots and it's it's kind of weird to think about like is this like the actual consciousness or is it a copy of mm-hmm. and like how many of them are there so like I kind of wonder like about this new city, are there like multiple Minerva robots roaming around helping people? Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's there's, I, I mean this is something that the show has been doing consistently now for the last three episodes is just present like these really uh, fun Easter eggs that make you question like this whole deep possible backstory, and I wonder I wonder if we'll get a further glimpse into what humans are actually doing in ooh at this point. That would be really great. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen it, you know, part, I guess all the listeners probably by the time this comes out, I've seen a lot more, but I really hope we get to see that too. I, it'll be interesting to see how much you think we, even if they don't get to it, I think we'll get, it seems like this whole thing is continuously opening the door for more. Yes. Of this, like yes. this, like we're in a whole new timeline and part of the show that they can keep going with. So let's see how we do. Um, yeah. Cause there's a lot, a lot of implications there. It's a lot about what does it mean for, obviously we've seen what it means for Simon, but exploring what it can mean for, for Finn and all humans and everything going is, is interesting. Yeah. And it was, it was cool in this episode because so cake freaks out uh, once uh, she gets through the portal and then is running around and then, the climax is like she jumps over the edge of the floating world. <laughs> and I think we've seen where the floating world is. Like, obviously it's in the beginning and in the other episodes, but it was a really cool moment as she, cakes falling. You really see the layout of what's going on. You're like, okay, there's candy kingdom. There's the ice world. Um, there's now the floating human world below us is now the, the forest and, um, and everything. So it's like, Oh, okay. Like you see how it fits into the whole tapestry boo yeah and we do see the ice thing fly overhead oh yeah into the ice kingdom uh Uh, yeah that's gotta that's gotta be some sort of player in this Mm -hmm. who knows but yeah it's creepy creepy um yeah but anyway cake falls and lands in the forest on her feet. On her feet. Cat move. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the nine lives right there spent. And then immediately encounters the squirrel. The squirrel, Mark Marin. Yeah. So, so now I haven't seen the squirrel episode yet that you told me about. Exists. Yeah. I forget what season it's in, but there's this whole 
episode with Mark Marin as a squirrel. It's like very silly. Um, it's it's like uncharacteristically silly because like the the squirrel character is drawn so weird. Is this it? That's it. That's, that's a that's different. That's a different squirrel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's drawn differently. The Mark Marin's like vocal performance of squirrel is really interesting (laughs) where it's him but it's like earnest um and it's plain i said to eric while we were watching it i was like mark like i'm getting totally taken out of it but in a really welcomed way yeah like i was like yeah i I mean i hear that voice so often yeah i just listened to um yeah i know i was like oh are there any good apps up yeah, so uh, a few weeks ago, Melissa Villasenor. Oh, I would uh, love to hear that. Was one. on. Yeah, she was great. Um, and just like sort of randomly, as an aside, like in the interview, Marin is like, "Oh, so do you ever do event- Adventure Time?" <laughs> like, yeah, like she's like a she's got like a recurring role as as uh, one of the glob faces, and like she does yeah. some other smaller voices, and she's like, "Oh yeah," like, but th- they talk about it as if it's like just one of those things that everyone does. Yeah. And it kind of is. And I love that these like high profile comedians just like have that regard for it. Um, but then, yeah, Melissa Villasenor was talking about uh, how she, the first time she did Adventure Time, she got to work with Maria Bamford, who was like a huge hero of hers. And uh-huh. then and then they're both just like guessing up Maria Bamford, just like talking about how amazing Maria, Maria Bamford's comedy is and like how most people don't get it. But if you do get it, like you really get it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I love Maria Bamford. This is perfect. And then Maria Bamford just dropped an episode with uh, on Marin uh, like last week. I just listened to that. Um, I just saved these two to my yeah. your episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were really good uh, interviews. Um, so just just apropos of me listening to the podcast, uh, and hearing Mark Marin talk about Adventure Time with other voice actors from Adventure Time, and then to see Mark Marin immediately show up on the current Adventure Time episode, I was, I was like, what? how is? I don't think he mentioned that ever on his podcast that he was a guest in a new episode. No, but he just brings it up like, um, I know. I was like, we got to reach out to him and be like, fantastic job on Fiona <laughs> and Cake, um. Cause it's really great. Yeah. I mean, he, I really, I really like, um, I mean, this is going off, but I love the podcast. Too. I've been listening to the podcast since I was in college, which was a long time ago at this point. Um, 2011, I was probably listening to it, maybe 10 when it first launched and podcasts were new and it was like that and comedy bang, bang. And he's, he's really developed like the, the, he's had a whole journey through the, the thing where he starts off pretty bitter and lost and then finds success. And now he's just like in a really cool, interesting place. And he's like gone through a lot of shit all on the podcast and his partner died and he's older, but he's like accepting of it. I don't know. And he's great where he stands on like political and cultural issues is always really welcomed. Uh, (laughs) pretty much. Um, I don't know. He's, he's turned into this like interesting guy. Like I've gotten burned out on him. I think it happens to any podcast. I'm sure people have gotten there with us where like, you need, you just need a little space where you've like, I'm jamming this person's thoughts and words into my head too often. I need a (laughs) break, but I always come back to him and I find him really awesome and really, uh, welcoming. 
I really, I really like when he talks to other comedians because I think like the best conversations happen that way. And I actually don't love when he talks to musicians <laughs> because uh, he is like kind of just an old guitar dude. Yeah. And he like really buys into the mythology of old guitar guys. And sometimes like I remember listening to his trombone shorty interview in particular and the way that he was like harping on some music things and you know trombone shorty was like trying to like answer the questions but like you know that like the paradigm in which he thought about these musical things was so different it's like all right i have to filter this through a way that mark Marin, this old guitar guy is going to understand yeah and i'm just like oh i feel the pain of <laughs> of like having to explain music through that lens so it like it gets a little frustrating with the music stuff i i did listen to his flea episode kind of recently um and it was it was it was pretty good because i think i think they've they've talked a lot previously like they know each other through other things so they talk less about the music and more about like stories and stuff yeah that's cool yeah he there was a time i was seeing here yeah like in the 2004 2010s he had on ty siegel and like i don't know if you ever got into all this stuff but there was like a really healthy i guess it was kind of the rebirth of the psych rock movement outside of like like on the west coast starting in san francisco and then it moved to la but there was this whole scene like ty siegel was one of the big ones and then also ocs are from that and they were all like just churning out like multiple records a year of this just like garagey psych shit and mark got really into it i think some like someone at like permanent records or something like got on the records and then he met ty and then he interviewed Ty and Michael Cronin and those guys. So that was, he had like a run there where he got into this new like sixties, mm-hmm. seventies influenced rock music that, and I remember those interviews being kind of fun, but he, yeah, I mean, he is like blues guy, rock guy. Yeah. He, was what he, which is what he plays at the end. But I do, Yeah, I know it's, I, I, I like it, but you just got to know going into it. That's the point of view. Right. That you're getting. He loves, like Keith Richards is his ultimate hero, which he'll always go back to. So it kind of tells you where he's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Did you hear the new Rolling Stones? I didn't listen to it. It uh, it sounds like some fucking Rolling Stones. That's I meant that's to. As much as I can say, it's n- neither. That's not a positive nor negative comment. It sounds like the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Um, I saw the the the, the Sydney Sweeney video. But yeah, I mean, it's actually just kind of a cool idea for a music video, right? She's going down like the Sunset Strip or whatever. And then there's these billboards that are different eras of the Stones. Is that what that means? I think, yeah, I think like <laughs> these, are, these are different albums and and times. Um, well, hey, it's no, geez, uh, it's no Chris Farron billboard. It's no, no. Uh, Hell, Hell Mode billboard. No. Um... We're just watching this video on mute right yeah. now. <laughs> Not even listening cool. to the song. Oh yeah, which I haven't heard. Um, Immediately better than the recent Eric Clapton, Van Morrison shit. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you see Eric Clapton's got a festival, a guitar festival? He's had one called Crossroads. Yeah. He's had it for years. And like, there's all these fucking good guitar players on it. It's still? like, yeah, still. I'm just like, you guys don't care that he's like a huge fucking idiot slash racist slash 
what science denier what is yeah, it <laughs> there's 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 a whole there's a list of issues um, yeah so uh ariel posen um uh this is how i became aware of it uh he posted online he was doing it i uh did monitors for him last year um a lot kurt, of kurt rosenwinkel he's yeah, like he's great i mean we've, we've got we got mayor john mclaughlin santana's on it makes <sighs> sense all right eric clapton and santana can do their old you know shitty zz top Riley, the war on drugs everyone's fucking doing this thing man um uh what's that guy kingfish yeah i'm he's coming through broken bowl next month it's like it's like one of those hard hard ones where i think everyone's just sort of like the idea of crossroads and eric clapton is bigger than I'm, this is not my point of view i'm just saying how one would look at it as you go the idea of playing with like is bigger than just his the stupid shit he said last year like it's a bigger thing I, that's how i imagine you rationalize it whatever <laughs> i've never really been a fan of eric clapton <sighs> me neither it's like okay another old white guy playing pentatonic scales great it's not for me well it's just like i i mean the way i was introduced to eric clapton was like seeing some vh1 rerun or infomercial of him doing cocaine unplugged and i was and just being like that's clearly not for me (laughs) (laughs) um but that said you know you do hear layla and then you're like wait that's pretty fucking cool and then a friend of mine showed me live cream and i was like yo this rips like this is good um the one thing that's funny about live cream is that apparently he it's like because they'll have like they stretch out the songs and it'll be like a insane six seven minute solo but apparently all those solos are like written like he did the same solo every night um which is fine because that's what a, a lot of guitar solos are but but it's like in that context of cream it it feels like it's being presented as a improvisation right um thought that was funny part of the lore i don't know it's just it's it's never totally spoke to yeah. me john mayer trio i guess that's like the, the best way to see john mayer <laughs> yeah i mean i'll yeah, probably. He's really great with the dead, but this is like him. Yeah, no thanks. This is him with Yeah, but with the trio, right? You get Pino and yeah. uh who's the drummer? Is it Chris Dave? No, um Steve Jordan? Oh yeah. Um I mean, yeah. I mean, that's pretty pretty sick. I mean, you, that's cuz like yeah, Steve Jordan. You you got him doing straight mayor uh stuff. Well, mayor took so much from Stevie Ray Vaughan. Like so much. Yeah. I actually heard, do you hear the tale that Mayer hired Stevie Ray Vaughan's old like tech to be his tech? And he like literally tracked down Stevie Ray Vaughan's like amps, not just like similar amp set, but like the amps. Like oh I've God. heard, I've heard story what a of, loser. of the... <laughs> that's the ultimate, like I'm, I'm in the middle of trying to get a new guitar and I'm still like, I'm still, it's still in my head. Like I'm like, should I go see that other guitar tomorrow? <laughs> It's this is a that's the John Mayer thing is a good uh proof that the tone chasing shall never end. Until <laughs> you're buying the like the actual gear. Until you're like, hiring the guitar tech. You need the person by your side. <laughs> yeah. Like you're probably contacting Steve Vaughn's like estate, his widow or something, being like, Do you still have the amps? I don't know. Someone told me that. I don't you know, I don't know the whole <sighs> what thing. A fucking loser. I hate that shit. I okay like whatever you like the music fine like 
I don't, I'm not even really commenting on the music. It's just the mythology behind these old straight white guitar guys. I don't buy it. I don't buy into it. And it annoys the shit out of me when I see other old straight white guys that are just devoting their fucking lives to it. Mm-hmm. This mythology. Oh yeah. And all this stuff. Um, yeah. You, you know, the counter to that is, is that, I mean, it's music for them. <laughs> old straight white guys making music for other old straight white guys. It's kind of a, a, a very fair exchange. <laughs> you know, we just sit outside of it. It's like, let them have their fun. You know, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, that is, that's who they're making music for. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Let's get back on track. <laughs> so I'm glad we started with episode discussion. Hey, if you're new to the podcast, um, this is the kind of stuff you're going to get from us. Um, um, yeah, so they go down. Squirrel is funny. Mark Maron. That's what it was. Oh, right. Mark Maron. Squirrel's very, very funny. I yeah, thought. Yeah, his, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the inflection that he speaks with is like, it's funny because he's doing things that are like sort of harmful or neglectful or just like reckless, I guess. But he's doing it with an air of this nonchalance and like, oh, yeah, I sell apples. Do you want an apple? Yeah. <laughs> Cake eats the apple and shrinks. Oh, did I forget to mention the apple is cursed? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great cartoon gag. But the way that Marin delivers it in the way in the way that only Marin could, uh, it's just it's a certain it's a certain air of comedy. Yes, <laughs> um, and like a but not one that you he probably taps into a lot because it's kind of out of his character. If you watch his stand up, he's not doing this right. It's like <laughs> yeah. a very interesting mode um, that he's hitting on, and very welcomed and and very fun. Um, yeah, so they're like. Yeah, he eats, he offers her apple, it shrinks her uh, cake. And he's like, oh, did I mention the apple was cursed? And then he's like, well, we'll just have to go to the market and get a strawberry that enlarges you. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. And you think like, oh, he's being a dick or whatever. Like, this is like a Paul Shear. what's so oh, Toronto? I was like, oh, is this Toronto vibes? But then no, he's just very earnest. And then his character is proven as his old roommates come back, which he didn't like a whole lot. And they start attacking him and he he talks about how he's just better off on his own and alone yeah uh the old roommates voiced by jim cummings oh i was trying to figure out who that was um and they get into a scrape cake stands up for squirrel and he's like oh i have a new best friend he's like nope i just hate she's like i hate boys right so like you start to see the uh, characteristics of the Fiona and Cake that we know getting threaded in there. Mm-hmm. Like these, this is like Finn and Jake stuff, classic Fiona and Cake stuff. It's like, yeah, they just don't like bullies. Like they stand up for people who who need help. And, um, you know, they're kind of just like giving you a little bit at a time here and there. It's sort of, it's sort of anchoring it back to like, what what we what we know what we thought we knew about Fiona and Cake, but we're not there yet. Um, oh, it is important to notice that we finally get Roz Ryan's voice back. Yes, took two and a half episodes to get there, but we finally arrived. There's still like that weird like speaking through a transponder kind of 
which might be how it remains. We'll see. We'll see. I've seen the next couple episodes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but the voice is so good. And yeah, I mean, I, I, literally, I think I wrote down here. Um, she is so good as cake. That's what I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> yeah. We're just, we're slowly peeling back the layers of this weird world that we were dropped into in episode one. And we're slowly revealing the core of Fiona and cake as we thought we knew them. Yeah. Um, Which is cool because we're also on this new adventure. Yeah. Which I love. Um, they, when they, when they get to the, the market cake is able to eat one of the strawberries and gets too big. And there's like the fruit seller that's just yelling meanly the whole time, but saying nice and encouraging things. Yeah. <laughs> you saved, you saved squirrel. You're a hero. Then you get to have anything you want. <laughs> right. Um, She's like, like, like New Yorkers. Yeah, she's like, why are you like this? And she starts eating it, and then the, she's and she gets too big, and eats apples too small, and then she's like, just try a bunch of these, and starts going trying to figure out how to make her the right size. At the same time, we get like one of the funniest parts of the episode, which is a Mark Marin uh, monologue. <laughs> yeah, you know this whole apple business isn't as glamorous as I make it out to be. <laughs> um, and he says that like you know. You know, you know, I guess I chose this life. He's like, well, actually I didn't. You know, this guy came up to me in the forest and said, this is your life now. You're an apple salesman. And it's a life of loneliness and solitude. <laughs> and do I like the loneliness and solitude? Yes, I do. But also it's lonely and solitude and I, and I don't like it. <laughs> oh, you're back to your normal. It was so good. Made me, made me really laugh. Um, And yeah. And yeah. So then, and then Cake's. Now they are having a a, a good old time. Yeah. We go, so can I say this this squirrel character, Marion Squirrel character, reminds me a little bit of Tom Herpich's Mister Fox. Yes. I would. Yeah, yeah. I would be so happy if we saw a Mister Fox cameo in this uh, series. But if we don't get it, Marion Squirrel fulfills everything I need from that that kind of vibe. We saw Mister Fox earlier in the series, right? Uh, did we? We saw a fox, I think. Yes. Okay. That's what it was in a montage. Um, yeah. Super fun. Um, at the same time, Fiona's just back in the normal world looking for cake. We She runs into um, Marshall Lee and LSP drinking at a fountain in the park. Yeah. Actually drinking. Badass. Yeah. First I was like, is that a big bottle of wine? But then maybe it was hard alcohol. I was like, damn. And then Fiona chugs it. Yeah. <laughs> and goes on her way and then ostensibly stays up all night looking for yeah while cake, drunk while drunk until <laughs> it's like 5 a.m and uh gary's getting to the bakery um yeah that was that was wild um and then we go back at this point into the other spot and simon is talking to choose goose and just like really fucking up choose goose like he said what did he say to her? he said to she said choose goose you're nothing to me but a spell battery yeah so like, okay, that's what we're doing with Choose Goose. Because, again, I don't remember this, but at the end of Wizard City, Choose Goose turned into an evil, magical bad guy. So he's got evil magic in him, and he's just a battery for Simon to do spells. Yeah. So, all right, that's explained. Explained. It's not, like, satisfying, but it's also not disappointing. It's like, no. all right. That's, okay, that's, what's okay. It, that's what it is. Okay, I got it. Still weird. Choose Goose is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't like the way Simon's treating Choose Goose. It's like, oh, this is not nice. This is abuse. Yeah. Like yeah. he's going to drain him to death, <laughs> Choose Goose. 
which he, I think he does after the other episode because he does the spell. Try, he's trying to get, um, um, what's her name again? Um, Betty. Betty. Yeah, he's trying to get back to Betty, and and he says, "I won't think about Fiona and Cake this time." And and then he does does it again, and it opens a portal right back to Fiona. She comes out, and as Fiona enters, he's crying and saying, "This was my last chance to see her." That was my last chance because I think Choose Goose is now dead oh and drained. Is and that like, it, yeah, because then he's like shaking the dead body at Fiona. Yeah, I think that's what's happening. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, fuck, this Simon shit is heavy, man. Um, And weird. Yeah. And then she opens the garage door and there's the kid um, who's now going to shepherd her, shepherd her to Cake to save her and through the world. And I imagine it's going to be around a little more. Um, as this episode goes on, Astrid. Yeah, who's just a uh, FNC fangirl. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. And then, you know, she drives her to the spot where Fion- uh, Cake is, and Cake has now sung a song and feeling herself, but in the process, like, really harmed a lot of the creatures at this forest. <laughs> yeah. And they're all mad and are coming after her and are now, have now put her in one of those, like, vice grip medieval things where they're throwing tomatoes at her face. Um, And then Fiona comes to save the day, which is now like kicking the ass and probably murdering even more of these people. And I was like, are these bad guys? Like, I don't think so. This is, yeah, this is a little disturbing because like these are, I mean, they're not necessarily good guys. There is a banana guard in the mix. Yeah. uh, But these are mostly just like sort of people minding their own business, like of neutral, (laughs) like disposition. And Fiona's kicking their asses. And it, so so yeah, we keep peeling back the layers like, all right, this is the adventurer main character kind of Fiona, like just kicking asses. And she says, yeah, I kick ass or something like that. And, uh, but it's also weird because like uh these aren't these aren't bad guys these aren't villains you're just sort of indiscriminately like going ham all over the place uh it's cool that we see the character do that but also it's like uneasy because this isn't how it's supposed to be nope for you know multitude of reasons but um there's there's like a little moment where it's like all right Fiona and Cake are back yeah like the characters are here and like they're doing the thing that we know. Um, and that's kind of just how it ends. Right. Yeah. Um, until, uh, Fiona and cake are beamed up by Prismo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, right. As they're like, right. As they get their mojo back, basically. Yeah. Uh, then it's like, and Astrid sees them and is like, Oh my God, you're the real fin and cake. Like you can see it. Yeah. And then they get zapped away. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to see more. Um, Eric, did you see the snail in this episode? <laughs> All right. Are we counting this? Yes, I saw the snail. Nick, did you see the snail? Yes, because it was a part of Simon's spell contraption. Yeah. We're still unsure if the... Uh, there is somewhere on the line where they catalog where the snail is in every episode of adventure time should we um, should we consult we should for an con- official ruling yes um i i will say this uh that snail shell the skeleton the snail let's say the scale the snail skeleton it's yeah. more macabre than fun the snail skeleton was part of the background art and not character design okay 
So I don't know if that affects the ruling or not. Yeah. Where, where do I, f- wasn't there like a big, I, at some point I uh, had, um, like a huge still. I had, there was like a, like a, um, like a spreadsheet of this. An official thought. There's, oh, there's yeah. so much oh, on the go. internet. Like it, oh, here we go. like in the online fandom that we don't know anything about. We're like kind of bad. I know. <laughs> we, we are one of the preeminent adventure time podcasts. And yet we're, we're like so far removed from like what's going on in internet adventure time fandom. <laughs> I know. I've thought about it where I'm like, how deep are we supposed to be? <laughs> right. I guess if you're a real head, you might be frustrated by us, <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's who we're making the show for. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons to be frustrated by us. Yeah. Okay. Look, they're counting it. They're counting it on the wiki. They are. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. It Good. says here on Fiona Ca- uh, Campbell, the first episode does not appear. Yeah. We, we came to that conclusion, right? Yeah. Um, you just spoiled something. I did. For episode four. I did. But that's more because I wanted to see if it was like real or not. That's interesting because I watched that episode. I didn't see that. <laughs> the snail. See that's really clever of them. Yeah. Um, but okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Play that theme song. Looking in the scenery throughout the land of plug i if i said if you're enjoying it follow subscribe we're on tiktok and instagram and youtube whatever um you could give us five stars that helps us in the algorithm of whatever podcast app you're listening to you can rate the podcast uh if you go to um eric it's not anchor anymore it used to be anchor.fm slash adventure guys podcast they've that still works though still works but if you yeah so go to anchor.fm slash adventure guys podcast yeah because what is it now podcasters.spotify slash pod slash show slash adventure guys podcast that's really clunky um got something better than that i know so but yeah there wait oh yeah you can you can support the podcast with like a monthly contribution which we have a couple people who do thank you very much to those of you who are uh who are contributing Haley, cat burnside 
Dave, Jacob, Jake, my mom, Ellen. Um, <laughs> thank yeah, you. this is a, a real thing that matters because I, I think we're going to try and do something with, with whatever funds we can raise. We've been talking about it. Um, so yeah, we have some actual funds now that we haven't touched in two almost two years, it says. So we're, we are going to use it to, to the betterment of the podcast. Um, yeah. And uh, tell a friend. I don't know. Um, Eric, should we move on? Yeah. Time for miscellany media. So do we have like decent trivia that we can look up now that this episode's been out for what, two weeks? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it is just like connections or like, do you see that? That's from this. And those characters were in there. I mean, I I will say one thing that was corroborated that I saw was it was a Minerva bot. Um, Okay. Cool. 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 And not just Minerva. Um, So good call out there. Um, um, yeah, so, I mean, this is a good thing they brought up is that Jake is in this episode, but older Finn's there and older Finn has the tattoo of Jake, which I always assumed the tattoo of Jake came as a tribute once Jake died. Right. But it's funnier to think maybe he lost a bet or something. And that, so that's what they're implying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's good. I like, I like that. I like yeah. that too. Um, <laughs> well, oh, that would be, that'd be great. Imagine if Jake lost whatever bet and he had to get a Finn tattoo. Yeah. Jake would never lose a bet. Finn would almost certainly lose any kind of bet or competition against Jake. And he's got to know that he would. <laughs> so, but he would still try as hard as, as hard as possible and then he would lose, and then he got the tattoo. That's that's what I'm thinking happened. I like that. It's a fun scenario. Uh, yeah. Um, another fun thing that they put in here, which I didn't think about, but really should have, is that the the cursed apple with the shrinking effect is the same one from up a tree, right? With isn't that the episode with uh with the squirrel. With the, that's with the squirrel. Is that with is tree trunks in it or I'm thinking mm, of the crystal no, apple? Think, yeah, uh, the gem apple. I forget what happens in that episode. I know. I'm excited to get this episode. I feel like we're gonna get this episode in like a year, and then we're gonna be excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even even like the first time that I watched through the series, like five years ago uh at that point yeah i was definitely a fan of mark maron's podcast and you know when that episode showed up it's like you instantly know that voice and you're taken out of it but in a fun way yeah um here's something that's kind of interesting uh in the little finn and jake vignette that opens the episode the temple that they're running through is a redesigned version of the Birdman's Temple from a scrapped episode back from season one. 
So there's this episode called The Helmet of Thorgon that was scrapped. I don't know anything about this. Let's I'm let's I'm reading through it. It's just an episode outline that never made it to the storyboard phase. The synopsis is Finn and Jake stumble across a field of delicious smelling flower creatures. However, a giant tells them that only beings with large noses can smell the flowers. So Jake grows his nose in size, but Finn is unhappy since he's still tiny. The giant tells Finn that a half-bird, half-man named Thoragon has a helmet that can help. So Finn searches for his temple. That's some zany season one shit if I ever heard anything. That is total yeah. season one business. <laughs> I want to I smell something nice, so I need to go quest for a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, okay, so this is an episode that never came yeah. to fruition and yet they are mining the depths to bring it back in fiona and cake very that, intriguing that's that's the good stuff i'm seeing eric do we don't have to go down the rabbit hole on this one no no so we will just move on <sighs> it's hard to do i know um yeah, we did. We we did all of our our business. Um, I saw Jeff Rosenstock last week. Hey, Jeff Rins. Jeff Rins. I missed him because I was running sound for what? What the fuck was I doing we in my working. life? The seventh. I forget what show it was. It probably wasn't as cool as Jeff Rosenstock. Yeah, it was great. It was the biggest show of his career. It was. Very fun. Was it really? That's what he said. Biggest headlining show. Yeah. Because Blade Fest. But yeah. It's like 3,000 people fit in there. It That's was pretty, pretty damn full. Uh, really good show. New song sounded great. Um, It was awesome. I was saying to you, I texted you and Sean, he, he thanked Rick Johnson, Christine, and Hero. And I was like, so they're playing Terminal 5. 3,000 passing plays. It's the band, which is what, six people? Um, Christine, who was at merch, Rick, who's at front of house, and here, who's taking pictures. And are we to understand that's the entire crew? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always saying that because, like, I think when, when bands are now are at Terminal 5 status, they usually have a monitors guy at the very least with a front of house guy and then techs and a merch person and a tour manager. Well, we know their monitor situation is so silly. Yeah. Um, but it saves them a person, I guess. Um, and they have the whole day to, to do it. But I, I, I love that. I was like, hell yeah. They're like, this is like some career shit where you're like, we all, we all, I mean, they all must take home a lot. I mean, it's, they could easily have a bunch more people out there. So I was like, dude, they're still like looking at ways. Like, no, we don't need somebody. We can just do that. <laughs> yeah. It sounded great too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It was just not a great room to sound good in. Hmm. Which Mike Huguenot could have been a little louder, uh, but it was good. Uh, I mean, also, it's just when you're that good of a band. Um, it was uh, the whole um, merch cut tweet saga. Oh yeah, that happened. Which I guess a lot of people just didn't realize merch cuts happen. Which I guess you might not. Yeah, it's cool that there's attention on the issue now. Um, but yeah, when bands play venues, the venues try to take a 
percentage of all the t-shirts and shit that bands sell and it's like why you didn't fucking make these t-shirts you're not giving us a percentage of all the beer you sell yeah well someone <laughs> yeah a lot of people were just sort of like without the band there's nobody there to buy the t-shirts or to go to the bar yeah i think what, what did jeff say he was sort of like hey if you're gonna take a cut of the t-shirts then we should take a cut of the bar he goes or the thing that makes sense is that you keep your business we keep ours and then we just go our own ways <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, they took a cut of the bar. That that's where the money's being made. Oh yeah, for sure. Every band would agree to to that. Yeah, and, and no venue ever would, which is which tells you, you know, how how the business is lopsided. Oh, yeah. And I think people at Jeff shows are drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, there were a, there was a lot of a lot of old guys trying to mansplain. Well, you know, you can negotiate that. No, you fucking can't. I also love that they were just like, we're friend. Wait, there's what's being left out is the the booking agent like could have negotiated, and then they're like, he did negotiate it. See where we don't have merch cuts at these shows, like yeah. See where it's ten percent instead of twenty five percent. That's because he negotiated as hard as he possibly could. Yeah. But the problem is, is that Live Nation bought up so many venues during the pandemic because live music took a dive. All these venues were out of luck and they were about to close down and then Live Nation swooped in and now they have, it's not a monopoly, but it's like a really unfair market share. And Huge. Yeah, and uh, smaller and up and coming bands have no negotiating power against that. And I say this as an employee of a Live Nation-owned venue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a wild situation. Um, but I like that he he's talked about. It. I I gave a tip when I bought my Hellmode shirt. Um, I mean, they must have been selling a lot of shirts. There was there was a huge line after the show, um, and the shirt you know the long sleeve was fifty. Um, it was fifty. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they were taking a merch cut, so yeah. it's more expensive. I think I added that to my uh, my pre order bundle for forty. Nice. Which is still like the most I've ever paid for a fucking shirt. Oh my god! But it, it is color changing fabric. Yeah, which is extremely <laughs> cool. And and the thing is, is like just the market value of shirts. Like forty dollars for a long sleeve is like pretty dang good. Like that's a good price. A lot of people are charging fifty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the, 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 the I, going I, rate of of shirts these days is just higher. There was a band I really liked that I did sound for at Broken Bowl, and I bought merch and. It was a t-shirt, a black t-shirt with white ink, $35, and then I tipped them five. Yeah, that's just like, what's going on? It's... Well, because Broken Bull's also taking a merch cut there. It's like... Oh, I thought they didn't do merch cuts. At... Oh, they do. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 25 Jeff is doing his black shirts. That's pretty... That's good. Yeah. Okay. Because they're probably printed on more expensive yeah. garments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool shirt. Yeah, I... uh. I had like a really tough time trying to like like come to terms with like selling a t-shirt for more than 10 bucks. Yeah, well, it's you like, can now. <laughs> I've been selling shirts for 15 for the last couple of years off of the last off of the last record we released and it seems like 15 man for for a t-shirt. Wow. But well, look at this. Um, the designer of that black hell mode shirt um, is Charmaine uh, Verhagen, who 
storyboard artist on Craig of the Creek and worked on Adventure Time. Hell yeah. That's the cool thing about Jeff art and merch and product, everything that has an, an art on it, like the album covers and stuff. He knows all the best cartoonists in the fucking business now because he, he's on Craig of the Creek. So he can just like recruit all these amazingly talented people to just like <laughs> do his band's merch, which is so great. So cool. Like nobody else has that to tap into. No. I love that. Uh, on, uh, by the way, on the polyvinyl, it's like shout out polyvinyl. They are like I'm looking at it right now. They're crediting um, who printed and designed. Well, Jeff has always printed with Night Owls in Houston. Oh, okay. Well, they're also, but they're, I guess they're, I guess they're crediting the designers of the shirt, which that's cool. You, you're not seeing that. Most people are not crediting. Uh, I see that a lot with the, uh, the Scossian circle that, that I, that I walk around. Like there's, there's a bunch of, uh, artists that are, um, popping up a lot more often and whenever a band posts their new t-shirt design they always they always give credit which is cool well that is extremely cool yeah because that that's not common practice so good on the punk scene good on the ska scene i'll, I'll shout out uh josh pm freeze who plays in the band sad snack and they just did the art for my new solo record which will be out soon uh you can see the art if you subscribe to my patreon it looks really good you should go do that uh, but yeah, Josh has been doing art for a bunch of the ska bands. Uh, they did some flyers for Kill Lincoln that I saw and really caught my eye. I was like, I got to hire this this person for, for my stuff. And it's incredible. I'm so happy with the album art. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really great artists that are floating around the ska scene right now, which is cool. And, they're all, and we know about it because they're getting credit that they deserve, which is nice. That's cool. Um... Yeah, this is cool. Maybe we should get Charmaine on the pod. Um, she she overlaps quite a bit with our uh, with our interests. Um, there she is. Um, yeah. Anyway, go 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 to patreon.com slash Eric Dano. <laughs> get ready for that new record. Uh, I think we should premiere a song on the podcast in a couple of weeks, dude. Whenever you want. Let's uh, do it up top too. Sure, because I have. Well, here's an announcement, I guess. It's probably been soft announced before, but on my new solo record, which will be out this fall, uh, there is a cover of an Adventure Time song. Hell yeah. So I think we should premiere that before the official release on this podcast. Fuck yeah. In like two weeks, maybe. Sweet. Let's do it. Get ready, guys. We'll still be talking Fiona and Cake, so. Yeah. Um, It'll be fun. Anything else we need to say before we wrap this? Um, I'm going to see the Mars Volta this week. Oh, on dang. Friday. Yeah, the, I saw that uh, notification. I was like, "Fuck, another another great show that I'm missing because I have to work." This week, well, t- I was going to talk about it next pod, but this week I have it's a bunch of good. So on Tuesday, um, it's I'm going to see Death Cab for Cutie and Postal Service at Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah, and Death Cab's doing transatlanticism and. Postal is doing give up. Um, but weirdly, I kind of missed Postal Service because it was still pre-internet days um, and no one really told me about it. I just knew a song or two. Um, I knew the singles and the Streetlight Manifesto cover. Yeah. But Transatlanticism is like... Well, a, the, cover, the cover of a cover. I mean... No, no, that's the original. Oh, that's the... Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then the other, the other big single that they had was 
the Phil Collins cover. Wait, which cover? Um, the Postal Service or yeah, Postal Service. They cover Phil Collins, right? No, well, maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah, against all odds. Oh, cool. Oh, it's not. Is that on Give Up, or is that like a, um, a side release that they did? Um, yeah, it's not on the album. That would be why I don't know. But the but the what's funny is that they Iron and Wine covered such great heights, and I think a lot of people assume that's the original song because it's just a dude on acoustic guitar playing such great heights <laughs> and it's funny that it's not yeah. um but yeah it looks i see the phil collins cover right here yeah like, phil collins goes so hard <laughs> we did uh we did his song from tarzan at a wedding gig yeah. recently and it's like i fucking love that song the guitar part's really rad so cool it's understated but very tasty yeah i'm really excited to see uh, Translinicism even more that was a huge album I was guess the first indie rock album I guess I got when I was in and that hit me so hard and it's um, really interesting I was listening Ben Gibbard's been doing the podcast tour and he was on Broken Record with some other hosts but the dude was like saying both his albums he was like don't feel super time stamped I don't know if you're a big Death Cab fan at all um, I had a little bit of a moment, but it was like, at that point, it was like afterwards, it was like, I should catch up on this. Like, oh yeah, Transatlanticism was cool, cool record. Um, what was the, what was the record that, um, I Will Possess Your... Narrow Stairs. Uh, yeah. That came out when we were in college. Yes. Uh, that's one that I got into a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Transatlanticism is a big one for you. But the thing I was going to say about it was, and the guy says in there, it's kind of timeless, I went back and listened to some records from bands that were popular in the 2010s. And it was interesting to me. I was listening to uh, some records and it was like, I was like, this sounds so 2012 or this sounds so 2009. I was listening to like the first Passion Pit EP um, or album. And, right. Cause like you can like very viscerally like remember like what you were doing. At yeah. That and I think the, the tones of like some of like, it's like, oh, the computers are coming into indie rock, which the Pulse Service were hugely head on. Um, but like, just like the shiny indie pop, like stadium songs, like, Oh, it's like, it just like had, yeah, that's when I moved to New York. I can remember it, but also it just sounds a bit time stamped in a way that like, you know, nineties or eighties sounds do. But I was listening to Translanticism. I was like, this is like, not, I mean, it's weird that I can, I mean, I vividly remember being like 14 listening to that record or whatever, 15, but it still feels relevant to my life. My friend was saying maybe it's because it's, it's a bit more adult, but like I'm listening to it. And I'm like, is this still really fresh? And there's, that's a cool production choice. And that's a good lyric. Um, and it feels relevant to my life versus just like straight nostalgia into my vein. Yeah. Um, so that's like an interesting thing. I'm looking for that on Thursday. Death grips is playing, which I'm oh, dang thinking about going. If you, are you around? It'd be insane. No, I'm, I don't have any. I know. I just time. assume you're working. Um, I'm on a, a white knuckle hell ride to the end of the ca- calendar year. Oh, God. Well, so Death Grips, so on tour for Death Grips, I don't know if you've seen this, is it's so Zach Hill is the drummer from Hella and all this stuff and the main dude, MC Ride. I would go to a show of just Zach Hill playing drums, drums. by himself yeah. with, with nothing else. Me too, just to <laughs> see this. And when he plays now, I think he's been 
I don't know what he's doing on this tour, but in the past he's played in no symbols. It's just like <laughs> kick snare floor tom. And just like it is like the hardest, most physical, fucked up drumming you're gonna ever see. Like I'll look up a um live thing. And then they have a guy in the band, this guy Andy, who was the third member who produced the records with Zach. I think Zach is like the main creative force mc ride does it this is what i've read Andy was also like mixing the records and but now for every reason he's oh no zach does have symbols it looks in store so that andy's not touring with them so in their place he he did tour in europe there he is but on the north american tour they got nick reinhardt from terramelos oh my gosh and he's doing all the the keyboard parts and the samples and stuff but he's triggering he's it's all his guitar fuckery because he's like the best guitar pedal user in the world um and then i think he has like a sample pad and and some other stuff but now so it's nick reinhardt zach hill mc ride so i wasn't gonna go but now i'm sort of like man i think i gotta see this tour while it exists um yeah let's see oh this is a full concert but yeah but it's like fucked up hit yeah there's that's the classic riff um, from get, 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 got, 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 got. And there's Nick Reinhardt's <laughs> tapping it. Zach Hill doing his fucked up thing. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> this would be. F- <laughs> it's just so viscerally fucked this music i know it's like amazing how popular this band I became i it there, there's something weird like it, it, i think the hard times makes fun of death grips all the time uh-huh. and i don't know how or why like like there's some there's something that came out of that band that like yeah you can make fun of it and it's still it does what it's supposed to do. I don't, I don't understand it. Like no. this should have been a flash in the pan. Yeah. Like one record. Wow. That was some weird shit. Right. Yeah. And then it went away forever. No, they have like five or six albums <laughs> and they're touring right now. They haven't put out a new album in like four or five years and they sold out. I think it was two terminal fives and two Brooklyn steels. So that's combined. That's like nine. That's like 10,000 tickets in New York Gosh. city. Cause I remember like finding Hella yeah. on MySpace when I was yeah. 16 and being like, this is some weird shit. Who else likes this? No one? That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh my God. So weird. Um, and yeah, but there's still, it's, it's really, I don't know, man. Like I was going through this insane anxiety, existential depression, all this stuff. And listening to it, I was like, this is really, really awesome. And like I, I TikTok, there's still a million memes about death grips that are coming through. And it's yeah, like, right. And there, it was just talking about like someone was like, um, I saw some meme that was funny, which I don't want to like butcher because it's very sensitive. But someone was just like, um, it was like um, trans teenager that doesn't know they're trans yet making death grips their entire personality, and <laughs> it was something like that because it's like it's so crazy. But it's what's also insane about that is is like, oh, okay, so that person had that experience with the music, and like these guys. Like MC, like they're in their, they're like 45 right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause they've been doing this for a long time. So it's like, I think that 
maybe it's just proving the point that they're tapping into something extremely visceral and fucked up. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people, I mean, they caught a lot of notoriety because they came out and were really big and they signed to a major label. Did, did you follow, did you follow all the, they did so many shenanigans that were, that were like Mimi. So right. I have a friend who's like, I will not listen to that band. Like they did. They were so Mimi, like, like putting their dick on the album cover and leaking their own out and doing all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but like, I think it just shows that they truly don't give a shit, even though they were doing it, obviously knowing it would be headlines, but like to just throw away <laughs> your major label contract. I know. And they were just cancel tours. Well, you like they were supposed to go on their first big tour. They canceled it. So now we want to make our second record of 2013 or whatever. And then they did it. And then they were like, wait, we're not ready to put this out. We got to wait till next year. So then they just made Zach Hill's erect dick, the album cover and leaked it themselves. <laughs> And we're let out of their album contract. <laughs> and I think signed maybe a second like subsidiary, like their next level was a subsidiary of a major. And like, I don't know. It's just insane. They, they were supposed to open for Nine Inch Nails and canceled that tour, broke Dude, up. It must make Horse the Band so angry to know that a band can do this shit and still be successful. <laughs> I mean. Because before Death Grips was doing that, it was Horse the Band. And everyone that. fucking hated them for it. Yeah. Everyone was so pissed at Horse the Band. Yeah. Well, and for some to, reason, they, everyone loves Death Grips. Well, they also seem to be like drunken wild men in person. Yeah. I don't know if these guys were. Although on the Death Grips subreddit, I was like, because I was, I finally got Death Grips. I listened to all their albums over the past two months. And um, yeah, people were saying, oh, they do. I think they do a lot of meth. <laughs> Which I was like, well, I guess it makes sense when you listen to the music. But I don't know if that's true. Um, dude, they have an album. I don't know if you've listened to it where it's, it's all... Um, what is it? It's called the powers that be it's all, um, it's basically, so the way they make the, the powers that be the first half, um, I forget what the name of they. it's like a double album. They each released differently. It's all, um, Bjork samples, but that's like the entire, um, uh, beats are Bjork samples. And I guess the way that they make a lot of these beats is Zach Hill loads up like a sample pad or whatever, and is doing his Zach Hill thing to play the beats with whatever samples they have. Um, but it's just super cool fucking me. I don't know. I, I was like, I was talking to my friend. I was like, where was I? I knew about this band because they, Sergeant House helped put out the first Death Grips record because they were right. managing Zach that's, Hill. That's how I found out about them. Yeah, the me beginning. too. Yeah. And I was, I was like into it at the time, but I guess I didn't get it. Now I'm listening to it. I'm like, this music is so cool and weird. Where, why did I not get this? <laughs> Like <laughs> ten years ago, they were ahead. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they're playing, and then Friday Mars Volta. I gotta figure out how to get into the Death Grip show. It's sold out, and the tickets are going for like a hundred bucks in StubHub. Dang. Um, <clears throat> so, are we getting tickets to Knock Loose? Oh yeah, and then to see Sean. Yeah. We gotta figure that out too. Okay, I'm gonna write these write these story <laughs> these dates down. Um, that'll be fun. I'm writing it down. Yeah, Sean's playing. Sean's on tour with Knock Loose. We talked about it. Um, it, the tour just started. You should go go find Sean and say what's up if you're if you're going to one of those shows. Knock Loose, very heavy, awesome band. Um, yeah, I just I'm really trying to to write music and be fucking on it, but like, so I I I should go see that Death Grip show. <laughs> If I can. Um, so that'll be cool. Um, I had something else I was going to tell you, but maybe 
it'll come back to me after we end and it doesn't need not every thought <laughs> needs to be on the podcast not everything <laughs> we talk about needs to be on the podcast i suppose um but yeah okay eric anything else uh i think that'll tie us over till next week um what, what am i doing next week have a sad come baby <laughs> Do you uh do you want to do this again on Sunday next week? I should be good to go. Oh, I can't do that actually. Oh, I'll be around Saturday probably. I have a wedding gig on Saturday. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. <sighs> yeah, my schedule's fucked. Good luck. Sorry, listeners. Good luck to everybody out there. I'm sure there's a lot of folks that listen. I know there's a lot of folks that listen to us on work. Is a lot. Is it late to say this? But like you've told us that you listen to us while you're working or driving or doing some shift. Um, I don't know. It seems like a hard time for everybody right now. Everyone I know is working really hard. Um, I've been just mentally funky. Eric's grinding. Sean's on his first seven week tour. Like everyone's going at it. I hope everyone out there can be kind to themselves and hopefully we, uh, we help you. I don't know. Just take care of yourselves. Um, if you made it this far on the podcast too, we do love you for real. Yeah. Did you see the mail at gmail.com? Always happy to talk. Um, I don't know. See you guys next week. Peace out y'all.